the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Hope that you're doing well. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully your commute is going well or you've made it home from the day. Crosswalk Colorado Springs is Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6. I have the joy of pastoring at Rocky Mountain Calvary. I'm a local pastor here in the city. And today I just wanted to talk about some things that have been on my heart, some things that I've been thinking through, things that have been speaking to me. First, I wanted to share a book that I've been reading called Everybody Always by Bob Goff. It's G-O-F-F. It's a great book, and I was actually exposed to Bob through Life Network, through the gala. He was the guest uh, speaker in 2022. The gala is a special night uh, to raise funds for Life Network. Everybody is dressed nice, and it's a night of celebration. And I, I noticed that there was a guy that was just wearing jeans and an old uh, sweatshirt and a Red Sox baseball cap. And he stood out to me. I admired him for his courage to wear casual uh, clothes. I enjoy uh, casual uh, clothes. And it turns out Bob was uh, the speaker. And you've got to look him up if you've never uh, heard him speak. But I picked up his book and started reading it after I heard him speak. And he's got this powerful story of him having a heart for Uganda. Bob's a, a lawyer, a really effective lawyer and author, but also has a great heart for uh, Uganda. And he decided to to go over to Uganda to try to meet uh, some of the judges. And he ended up meeting one of the Supreme Court justices. They formed this friendship. The judge came to visit him here in uh, the United States. And apparently in Uganda, the witch doctors had never been held accountable for any of their crimes. And Bob having a heart uh, for justice and building this friendship with the Supreme Court justice said, if someone will testify against a witch doctor, would you be willing to hold them accountable? And the judge uh, said, yes. I have a heart for Uganda as well. One of my good friends is a missionary there, and I've had the privilege of going to Uganda uh, several times. And it it turns out there's a 10-year-old boy, his name was Charlie, ended up getting kidnapped by a witch doctor. And the witch doctors do terrible things to kids. They sacrifice kids uh, by cutting off their genitals and leaving the kids to uh, bleed out. And that's what happened to Charlie. But thankfully, somebody came along and, and rescued Charlie. Bob heard about Charlie and flew back to Uganda and asked Charlie if he would be willing to testify against this witch doctor. And to Charlie's courage, he said, yes. Imagine that courage to stand up to the witch doctor. The judge was willing to hear the case. This was the first time in Uganda's uh, history. And this witch doctor ended up uh, going to prison. He was sentenced to a prison that was built in 1920 
for 200 inmates and at the time had 2,000 inmates. Everyone knew if you went to this prison, you went there to die because the conditions uh, were so bad. So Bob and his heart for justice was able to come and really intervene on Charlie's behalf. And he ended up becoming friends uh, with uh, Charlie. But also, God began to touch Bob's heart for this witch doctor, which is surprising. Only the love of God could do that to the point where Bob couldn't leave it alone. And he decided to go and try to visit the witch doctor. So he goes back to Uganda, goes to the prison where the witch doctor is being held, asks if he can visit him. The warden says no. Bob then plays the lawyer card and gets in and is able to visit with uh, the witch doctor. And the witch doctor begins to share his story that his dad had been a witch doctor. And in this conversation, the witch doctor was feeling the weight of his sin and began to ask questions if there's any way that he could find uh, forgiveness. And Bob, in the book, says he you know, reluctantly shared the gospel. There was a part of him that didn't want to share the gospel, but he did. And the witch doctor ended up trusting Christ as, as his savior. Bob would go back several times to, to visit the witch doctor, and the witch doctor was growing in his relationship with Christ. Bob had this idea of reaching out to the other inmates. Uh, and so asked if the witch doctor, the former witch doctor, would share And the warden agreed to it. And so here's the witch doctor sharing with the inmates and several of the inmates get saved and the witch doctor is then doing baptisms. And so what really stood out to me in this story from Bob Goff is how Bob really embodies both justice and mercy and grace. And to me, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus because Jesus is the judge and he righteously stands against sin and stands up for the abuse for every kid that has been molested and and raped and and abused and righteously stands up against my sin as well. You know, it's very controversial right now. I I just did a teaching this last weekend on the reality of hell out of Luke chapter 13 and you can go into a lot of churches in America today and never hear anything about hell. But Jesus said that there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the reason for hell is because that's how bad our sin is. If we were able to talk to a Holocaust survivor, they would tell us, man, God has to hold all of these evils in check. He has to hold them accountable. And so Bob really embodies that that justice. And if someone says no to Christ, rejects Christ over the course of their whole life, the Bible teaches that Hell is a, a very real uh, reality. But then it doesn't stop there. Bob showed mercy. He showed grace because God had given him grace. And Jesus is the judge, but he's also the one who gives grace, who gives forgiveness to the point where he provided his life upon the cross. He took my sin and was punished for my sin so that I could be forgiven. And man, the grace of God is that vast to be able to forgive us of our sin, to forgive this witch doctor of his sin, the horrific things that he did uh, to Charlie. We know from the heart of God, though God is just, Peter writes and says that it's not God's will or his desire that any would perish, that any would, would go to hell. 
So though God does give just judgment upon sin, it's not what he desires. It's not what he longs for. He longs for people to be saved. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. As you're driving down the road today and thinking, man, what does God desire? What does God really want? Uh, He wants us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want to have to send anyone to hell. And this brings in the end of Luke chapter 13, where Jesus is getting close to his uh, crucifixion. And he looks out over Jerusalem, who had rejected him. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. And this really represents the heart of God. This is, this is God's heart, is he wants us to be close to him, just as a chick is close to its mom's heart. What does that mother hen do? It's providing provision, it's providing protection, and for us to come close to God's heart to hear his very heartbeat. We're going to talk about this a little bit more after the break, so I hope that you will stay with me. If you're looking for a good book to read, I'd encourage you to pick up Everybody Always by Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. It really encouraged me. It's also a great book to listen to on audio as Bob reads the book and he's got a very uh, captivating uh, voice uh, for sure. But we're going to talk more about the heart of God, that, that God is just, that he is the, the only way uh, to salvation, but that he's also the forgiver, that he's gracious and he longs for us to come to his heart. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. With Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me. Want to encourage you also to listen to our podcast, Crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere that you stream your podcasts. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Audible, all of those places. Today, just sharing things that are close to my heart, things that God's been speaking to me. So don't go away. We're going to come back right after the break on 100.7 the word and you showed up and patched me up like you do every time i get amnesia crosswalk colorado springs on 100.7 the word welcome back to crosswalk colorado springs this is pastor eric cartier from rocky mountain calvary thanks so much for listening hope that you're doing well that your day is going well that you know that the lord's with you that he loves you sharing some things that are close to my heart that God's been speaking to me about. I was talking about Luke chapter 13, the end of the chapter where Jesus is looking out over Jerusalem. If you can imagine Jesus at the end of his life, thinking about his crucifixion, desiring that Jerusalem would come close to his heart, just as a chick comes close to its mother's hen. And the interesting thing that Jesus says is that Jerusalem was not willing. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on us, and he's trying to draw us to his heart, but we get to choose whether or not we uh, respond. When you're thinking about a relationship with God, you know what do you picture? God gives us some really powerful truths of how close he wants to be to us in the fact that he is our father, that he's our heavenly father. The reality that he is our Heavenly Father, we know as parents, the closeness that we have with our kids, and that's just a foreshadowing of how close that God wants to be to us. The reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross 
is now that we're the sons and daughters of God, we're the adopted children of God, we're the joint heirs of of Christ, and we're able to have open access to our Father because of the blood of Jesus. Outside of the blood of Jesus, we could could never have that access to God as our, our Father. Another powerful truth of the way that God sees us in relationship is that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So you look at a marriage relationship and how close that marriage relationship is, and that's how close that God wants to to be with us. I know for me, what's really caused me to press into the heart of God is difficulty, challenges. When I think of some hard things that I've gone through in my life, God's really used those things uh, for me to experience God as my father in a greater way. I think back to when I was in high school, my best friend died in a car accident when she was uh, 16. That was a huge rock to to my system. I'll never forget my parents coming uh, to school to, to tell me the news that my friend Jesse had passed away. And I was living in Utah at the time. I just moved to Salt Lake City and my friend was back in Southern Oregon, and we made the road trip uh, to Southern Oregon to go to her funeral at Applegate Christian Fellowship. And through her passing away, over time, God really revealed himself to me in a deeper way that he was my father. At first, I didn't want to come to God for comfort. Maybe you can relate to that if you've gone through a loss. You just kind of distance yourself a bit from the Lord, but then the pain became so great that I just had to go to the Lord uh, for for comfort. My wife and I had our older two uh, daughters, and then we had two miscarriages, didn't get uh, pregnant for a while, and then had our younger two uh, children. And going through those losses of miscarriages uh, was a deep pain in our life. If, if you've gone through that, you know uh, what that's like. You don't really have a place to put it because when a child is out of the womb, you've seen the child, and I know that that's intensely difficult with, with a miscarriage. It's just like, where do I put this? And and we were so excited to to have another child, and then God chose for those two children to, to go home to be with him. And we look forward to meeting those two children when we get to heaven. But there was a season there where there was sadness in our home, and we would listen to a lot of worship music and some old hymns and and. There was grieving that took place, but in that process of that grieving and that brokenness and that that emptiness, God really gave me strength. I, I remember there was a men's retreat, and I was teaching at the men's retreat on Friday, and then I was going to go uh, teach at RMC Saturday and Sunday morning. So drive up to uh, Winter Park Friday night, drive back to the Springs for Saturday night service, and then teach Sunday morning nine and eleven as well, and. In the midst of this grief, I didn't even have the strength to be able to put together a sermon. And for a pastor, that's a really humbling feeling because this is what I do all the time. A, a bulk of my week is spent uh, preparing messages and preparing uh, sermons, and I just couldn't do it. And I remember getting on my knees by my bed, and Amber was there reading and just cried out to the Lord that, Lord, I was disappointed. This did not turn out the way that. That I thought that it would. And when I first came to know the Lord as a teenager, I remember seeing a book title that said, When You're Disappointed with God. And at that young point in my life and that freshness of my faith, I thought, How could you ever be disappointed with God? He's the one who 
died for you up upon the cross, but here I was in this miscarriage, finding myself disappointed with God. But it was in that pain that God met me, that he encouraged me and took me deeper into this understanding of him being my father. And just as Jesus says, as a hen brings her chicks close, God wants to bring us close. Are, are you going through a difficult time? You know, Has there been a loss of a child or a loss of a spouse or a real meaningful relationship? Or you're just kind of overwhelmed with what's taking place uh, in, in your life? Well, you have a father that wants to, to comfort you. We have a, a tremendous promise in 2 Corinthians 1 that says, The God of all comfort and the Father of mercy. So it's in the person of our Father that we receive uh, that that comfort. So I'm talking about Luke chapter 13 uh, today, where Jesus is saying that he wanted to gather Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chicks, but Jerusalem was not uh, willing. And how God's used difficulty and disappointment in my life uh, to bring me closer to the Father's love. More recently, in March of 2020, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And for some of you, you're really familiar. For a lot of you, you're like, I'm not really sure what type 1 diabetes is. It's different than type 2. Uh, Type 1 is an autoimmune disease where your immune system attacks your pancreas and your pancreas stops producing uh, insulin. So I was 42 years old. Uh, Most people develop type 1 in their early childhood or their teen uh, years, but mine was much later in life when my immune system went haywire. I was extremely sick, uh, but didn't realize how sick uh, that I was. Amber really saved my life. God used her to save my life. My wife, she insisted that I go to the doctor. The doctor did some blood work and gave me a call and said, Eric, this is a life or death emergency. You need to go to the hospital. Now, remember, this is March 2020. Actually, it was April uh, 2020. And you could not have any family members go with you to the hospital. And I'll never forget this moment when Amber dropped me off at the ER at Memorial North and she couldn't go in. We didn't know what was going wrong in my body. I ended up spending two days in the hospital alone, but God was with me. And it was amazing during that time how close I felt the Father's love. There were all these verses that God kept bringing to my heart and to my mind. And it wasn't like, okay, I've got to think about this verse, but it was just the Holy Spirit bringing back all of these truths to my heart and and to my mind. And the next probably three to four months were especially difficult, getting used to my new life of on insulin and had some other health issues that developed outside of that. And there was one night in particular where just feeling really discouraged. And I was attempting to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I said, Our Father. And that's all I could get out. I couldn't get past that. And God really met me. And in a way that I hadn't experienced prior, ministered to me that he was my dad. And in that moment of him being my dad, it was enough, even in that tremendous suffering. And I wouldn't want to go back to any of this suffering. I'm just kind of scratching the surface here. But the suffering really is what's caused me to press more into God's heart of being my father. You're listening to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier just sharing things that are on my heart uh, today. Thanks for listening. We're going to head to a break. 
And we'll be back to talk about more ways that God draws us to his heart. So thanks so much for listening. Stay with me on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much. For listening, hope that you're doing well. I'm a local pastor here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. If you're looking for a home church, we'd love to have you join us. We've got two locations, one in the central part of the city and the other out east in Ellicott. So check us out on rmcalvary.org. Today, just wanted to share some things that I've been processing and and thinking about as I've been teaching through uh, the Gospel of Luke. Just this last Sunday, I was preaching about Jesus looking out over Jerusalem and he's crying out. It's this moment of mourning where he's saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would gather you as a hen gathers her chicks and how God's used really pain and difficulty in my life to bring me closer to his heart. Most recently has been some, some health challenges with type one uh, diabetes and God's really met me in that. And I'm on an insulin pump now and life has really normalized, but it was that initial difficulty that has caused me to realize that God is my father in a greater way. And interestingly enough for me is I've got a wonderful dad. They, my mom and dad live up in, in Highlands Ranch and he wrestles and challenges with Parkinson's disease, but he really raised me in the ways of the Lord, my mom and dad. And having a great human father, I still wrestled with experiencing God as my Heavenly Father, until I went through this challenge with type 1 diabetes. Always in my prayers, it's easy for me to emphasize God being Lord. I remember when I first started senior pastoring back in 2005, I'd probably been senior pastoring for about a year. And a guy came up to me and he said, I noticed in your prayers, you always begin with Lord, but you never begin your prayers with Father. And that really stuck with me. And I was like, why, why is that? And it's hard for me to relate to God as Father. It's easy for me to relate to Him as as Lord. But as I've gone through pain, I've found myself a lot easier relating to God as as my Father. And this is the ultimate mission of Christ, was to bring us into this relationship with the Father. As you study the Scriptures, when you look in the Old Testament, they didn't address God as Father. The Israelites addressed God as Lord, the all-powerful One. But yet Jesus, he teaches us to pray, our Father, which art in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, we're told that we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. So God is our Father. Think about that for just a moment. You have the ultimate Father, the, the heavenly Father. When Jesus was at his resurrection and he revealed himself for the first time to Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus in his resurrected state. She was wanting to cling to Jesus, just to hold on uh, to Jesus. And he said, don't hold on to me. You need to go tell the disciples I'm risen from the dead, that I'm going to go be with my father and your father. That's the gospel fulfilled. That's Jesus's death and resurrection, that we could be the children of God. So Jesus longs to draw us close to his heart. We see that at the end of Luke chapter 13, but are we willing? What is God using to bring you to a place 
of being close to his heart? Is it pain? Is it blessing? Is it a little bit of both? When was the last time really that you have pressed into your relationship with, with the Lord? in worship, in prayer, in in reading the word, of of just crying out to the Lord. So I would encourage you right now, as you're listening, as you're driving down the road, listening to this podcast later on, is take this opportunity, God knows, and really press into uh, his, his heart. So another thing that's brought up in the Gospel of Luke that has been challenging for me is this reality of covetousness. And, you know, we don't hear a lot about uh, covetousness, but it's easy to get to a place where we're just longing for a little bit more. We're longing for just a little bit more. There's, there's a blessing that comes into our lives, but we're not content with that, that blessing. And interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul said he had to learn contentment. You know, contentment's not something that we're just naturally born with. If you doubt me on that, just spend some time with a toddler. You know, they're not content. I'm not naturally uh, content. But Paul said he learned a contentment. He learned how to be abased and he learned how to abound that in all things, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So that's amazing. In times of need, lack, want, being abased, I'm content. But if I abound as well, I'm, I'm content. I don't need a little bit more. I can be thankful for the blessing that I have received. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your lifestyle be without covetousness, because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The answer to covetousness is Christ. He's with us. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. And as we press into him, we find contentment. Would you say that you're content today, wherever you're at, whatever your circumstance is, whatever you're going through in your life, are you in a place of uh, contentment? So in Luke chapter 12, there's a guy that comes to Jesus and he's saying, hey, would you settle this dispute over an inheritance? I'm not getting my fair share in the inheritance. Christ's response is really interesting. How he responds is he says, Who made me the judge or arbiter over you? I'm not really concerned about your inheritance, but he goes to a deeper issue. He sees the heart of this man, and Jesus always sees the heart of us. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Take that in for for just a moment. Beware of, of covetousness. In the Greek, this reads, Beware of all covetousness. So how has covetousness come into your heart and life? What is covetousness? Covetousness is longing for something that God hasn't provided. In the Ten Commandments, we're we're warned about coveting our neighbor's house or his donkey, which would now be his car or our neighbor's wife. And so we can look at blessing in other people's lives and go, well, why haven't I uh, received that? blessing. So we need to be on guard with covetousness. And then here's the instruction that our life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that one possesses. Materialism stuff really is false advertisement. Have you ever thought, oh man, my life is going to be satisfied once I buy a house. But you buy that house and what happens? It's a blessing, but it doesn't satisfy. 
Chuck Smith, who started the first uh, Calvary Chapel, our church is part of the, the Calvary Chapel movement. He said, what you strive to gain, you also strive to maintain. You, you strive so hard to, to get that house, but then you've got to maintain it. You strive so, so hard to get that car, but then you've got to try to keep it in that pristine, perfect shape. So possessions, they are not in the place that really totally bring satisfaction. Only Christ can bring a satisfaction. Jesus goes on then to tell this man a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up for himself treasures on earth and is not rich towards God. So we'll break down this parable more in just a second after the break, looking at this warning of covetousness, finding contentment in the Lord. Such an important uh, topic. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. You're listening to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Just sharing some things today that are on my heart that God has been speaking to me as I've been teaching and reading. So hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for taking this journey with me. Don't go away. We're going to break down the parable of the rich fool in just a moment right here on 100.7 The Word. Talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The word. Good God Almighty. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well. Hope that your day's going good. Most importantly, that you know that the Lord is with you. Probably finishing up your day, driving home uh, from work or already home from work for the evening. Also, you can find us on our podcast. We archive today's show. It's going to be Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, anywhere that you find your podcasts. I've been teaching through Luke on the weekends at Rocky Mountain Calvary, Saturday nights and Sunday. One of the things that has stood out to me is this idea of contentment and not having covetousness. And I think covetousness is always something that I have tended to struggle with. I remember on my eighth birthday, my Aunt Carolyn and my Uncle Dave, they're like grandparents to me. My Aunt Carolyn's 12 years older than my mom. They were always very close to us. And on my eighth birthday, they came and celebrated our birthday with me. And my Aunt Carolyn had wrapped me up a gift. And inside of it were shredded up newspaper, but also were rolled up dollar bills. And I had to search through it to find the dollar bills. I'm counting, counting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And I said, is that all? (laughs) Is that all? Instead of saying, oh, thank you so much for these eight dollars. It was just that part of covetousness. Even though I was receiving eight dollars, I wanted more. And maybe you can relate. And Jesus gives this parable of a rich man who his crops, 
yield plentiful. Now, nothing wrong with that. God had, had blessed him. But notice his focus is on himself. He says, I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater. I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What are some things that don't come to the rich man's mind? First is it all belongs to the Lord. God, what do you want me to do with it? He doesn't consider God Do you want me to be generous? Who can I bless? Who can I give? You have given me more than than I need. And then his purpose in saving and building these bigger barns was so that he could take it easy, that he could just have years of ease, that he could eat and drink and be merry, engage in self-indulgence. Now, I don't think it's unwise to try to save for our elderly years it may not even be retirement, but just even those years where our bodies fail and we're not able uh, to work, I think there's some wisdom to try to be able to prepare for it. But whether you retire or you don't retire, th- this idea of, man, I'm just going to get to a place where I can take it easy and have all of the comforts of this world, I don't think we find that any place in Scripture. God wants us to use our lives up for His glory. We, we won't have very long on this planet. So we want to invest our life in the Lord, invest our life in others wherever God places us. But this rich man, he wanted to store up treasures so that he could kick back, that he could take it easy. And a lot of times when things are too easy, we tend to drift. We don't press into the Lord like we once did. But then God requires him that night. He passes away that night. And we don't know when death's going to come. We don't know when things are, are going to happen. And he's giving all of this thought to the physical things in his life, but it appears that he's not caring to his soul and where he's at with the Lord. And then who's going to receive all of this stuff that he has stored up? He was storing it up for himself, but who's going to take it up after he's gone? And, and God calls him a fool. And it's it's not this idea of God putting him down, but his behavior was was foolish. And then Jesus goes on to say, hey, so is the person that doesn't lay up treasures in heaven. So let's talk about that for a few moments. Like what in the world does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? It's something Jesus talked a lot about. There is going to be a heavenly reward uh, that takes place. And why are we going to care about that reward is because we see the elders in the book of Revelation laying down their crowns at the feet of Jesus. We're able to take our treasure and lay it down at the feet of Jesus in uh, worship. So Jesus encouraged us to lay up our treasures in heaven. Another thing that Jesus exhorted us in is that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. So whatever we put our treasure in, our heart is naturally going to follow. Like in a good way, you probably cherish your spouse for those that are married, cherish your kids, and and your heart follows that. So monetarily, when we invest in the kingdom, our heart is going to be in heaven, and that's a healthy place for our hearts uh, to be. As you go on into Luke chapter 12, after this parable, Jesus encourages us not to worry. He tells us that he takes care of the lilies of the field. I don't know if you've ever been up into our beautiful Alpine mountains in the summer when the wildflowers are out. And God does that. He takes care of those wildflowers. So 
He takes care of the lilies of the field. He takes care of the birds of the air. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge bird fan. There, there's some awesome birds that are majestic, and then there's birds like crows and magpies, and they serve their purpose, but I'm not a huge fan. Yet God, he takes care of all of the birds. He takes care of the, the sparrow. And how much more is he going to take care of you? Then we're exhorted in this discussion of covetousness and contentment. Don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. Well, what's the kingdom of God? I think the kingdom of God comes down to two things, and that's a relationship with God and a relationship with people. When we get to eternity, those are the only things that are going to last is God and people. So we want to invest our lives in seeking Christ, living for Christ, following Christ, and sharing Christ's love with others. It's been said this way, to know Christ and to make him known. Seek first the kingdom of God. Are are we seeking first the kingdom of God? Are we seeking first the material things of this life? Put the kingdom of God first, and all of these things will be added unto you. This doesn't mean that we don't work, that we don't work hard, that we don't manage what God has provided for us. But above all of that, the kingdom comes first. The reason that we're working hard is not first and foremost for a paycheck, but to honor God, for Christ to be seen in the workplace. So thanks so much for joining me today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is a local show. I'm a local pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. If you're looking for a home church, we'd love to have you. We go through books of the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. We believe that the Bible is relevant. We believe the Bible is inspired, that God is speaking to us through uh, his word. We've got vibrant worship. God's blessed us uh, with an amazing worship team and vibrant children's ministry and youth ministry. If it's not a Rocky Mountain Calvary, there's a lot of awesome churches in the city. I'd encourage you to plug into one of those uh, churches. Also, pick up your Bible and read the Word of God. If you're looking to start reading God's Word, the Gospel of Mark is is a great place uh, to start. Pray before you start reading. Read a chapter, read a half chapter with a pencil, a highlighter, possibly a journal, writing down the verses that stand out to you. Let God's Word uh, speak to you. It's living and it's powerful. The book of Proverbs is great for today. I think there's a real lack of wisdom in our culture and our lives, and God speaks to us through the book of Proverbs. Remember, God's your comforter. He longs for us to come close to his heart. Just like a hen gathers her chicks, God wants to gather us to his heart. And as we head into our evening, just remember you have the ultimate father, the God of all comfort, the father of mercies. He's with you. He wants to comfort you and that relationship with God. It provides everything that we need, and we can be content in this life. We can not have covetousness in our hearts and our lives because Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hear that. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, Jesus will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will give you help. He'll give you strength. So thanks so much for listening. The Crosswalk Colorado Springs, Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6. So until next time, have a great evening. God bless you. Then you came along. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.